As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Oh my God, my nerves! I'm a 49er fan! Oh my God, you know, I'll say this also about the Cowboys. I was always taught that a team that's penalized a lot with dumb penalties, it was about coaching. It was about poorly coached teams. The only team I ever knew that got penalized an awful lot but still won was the Raiders, but that was their personality. They were just overly physical back in the day. Uh, these Cowboys, too many penalties. Uh, that's a sign of a poorly coached team. I'm just saying. Hey, take care. The only thing else I got to say is, how about them Cowboys? How about them Cowboys, indeed. All right, that's it. Cowboys season ends in dramatic fashion. Got John Mishota on the scene, who was in front of Jerry Jones after the game. He had some things to say about it, as you can imagine. We've got some airing of grievances to get to, but not for this episode. We'll break this game down first. We'll get to our roster tier as well. We need to refresh that as the season ends here. Plenty to get to as we uh, wrap this thing up. So welcome in again to the About Them Cowboys podcast here on The Athletic. I'm Kent producing, welcoming in three of the best of the best to break down this game for you. First, from The Athletic, it's Saad Youssef from The Eagle, sports and such. It's your host, Kevin KT Turner, and the man at the scene. It's from The Athletic, your Cowboys beat writer, John Mishota. Kevin. I don't even have to say anything. Yeah. Well, John's uh, at the at the scene of the crime. The Cowboys lose 23-17 in a disappointing game in which they're penalized 14 times. Uh, there's so many places we could start. John, go ahead and just give your basic thoughts uh, right now, not only on today, but uh, how you would define the season as a whole. Oh, I thought today was a microcosm of what we've seen from them when, they, when they've played a good team uh, over these last two months. And... I just I was a little surprised with just how unprepared they looked early on. I did not expect that. I thought they would come out. Uh, they seemed like a team that had a chip on their shoulder all week. I did not think they would come out play the way they did and look as unprepared as they were. Uh, deer in the headlights. I just it, yeah. Do you have some young guys on the team? Yeah, but you got a lot of veterans on this team too. And and that was very that was very concerning early on because as we had talked about, that was going to be an issue for the Cowboys if they started slow. They needed a fast start. They didn't get that. 
So that was, that was disappointing. And then just as the game went on, you're just, you know, the margin for error keeps getting smaller and smaller, but that's because you put yourself in that spot. Um, the blaming of officials is going to be my, one of my biggest takeaways, not only from this game, but for the entire season, I have never seen a team blame officials talk about how the officials are, you know, against the Cowboys more than this team. This is something that clearly Mike McCarthy talks this team about. I think Mike McCarthy made a mistake by trying to use that as some type of a rallying cry. Like it's us versus them because it became an excuse. And if, and, and where there's some bad calls or some, there are in every game, this team is not penalized today, 14 times because the ref crew was out to get the Dallas Cowboys. This team was, was penalized 14 times because it's an undisciplined team. And they made, and they, they made the same mistakes today that they've made all season long, false starts, holdings. Like they can't get any momentum going because of stuff. that's undisciplined. That's, that's what that is. I mean, it, there, there's no excuse for that. And so to blame anything else but yourself for this loss is laughable to me. Yeah, and I think uh, just to just to piggyback off that, KT, I think it's uh, it's exactly what we were talking about a few weeks ago. I forgot exactly what game it was because there's been a few of them, but it was that game where Demarcus Lawrence and all those guys after the game came out and were like, yeah, like, you know, it was the Arizona game, right? Like, that that was the game uh, yeah. where they came out and they were like, yeah, we're, you know, when we see them again, we're going to have to beat both teams on the other side and all this stuff. And, and, you know, it's one thing, even if you believe that to keep it, like, in-house or whatever, but they became so comfortable with that where, like John said, if that was a ra- rallying cry initially, it definitely didn't last that way. It became an excuse. And, you know, I said this before. The first, it's a common saying that we hear everyone say, the first step to solving a problem is identifying that you have one. And if you refuse to identify that you have a problem, you're going to, you're not going to fix it. And I I thought, I thought, you know, of all the things, the biggest thing that I got a kick out of all the penalties today, whether it was Neville Gallimore's uh, hands to the face or whatever, they, they would replay the penalties and it would just be so blatantly obvious. Like, there were yeah. there were not really any questionable calls. The Cowboys penalties were the Cowboys penalties. They beat themselves. Yeah, the, the, that's one thing that that are, I really don't like uh, doing the whole ref thing, dude. You're the worst penalized team in the league all year long. This is not some small sample size thing. All year long, yeah, I didn't like uh, you know what happened at the end of the game. And I guess let's just go ahead, let's just go ahead and talk about that. But there's a million things that happened before that. But at the end of the game, when you actually did have a chance, even though it was very, uh, it wasn't very probable at all that you would even get the ball back. There's a ton of things to talk about there. But at the end of the game, I didn't like the way it happened. And McCarthy's like very defensive uh, in the press conference. Um, like, is that the quote uh, you were looking for uh, and doing that type of thing, dude? I don't care what you say. Yes, uh, the middle of the field is open. They were giving you that. With 14 seconds, that's not the time for that. I don't care if you've practiced it, okay, um, at your facility at the star. I do not care. The only way you have a chance to win the game is if a football gets thrown into the end zone. And by cutting it that close, is just moronic in, in my estimation. And then to blame it on the refs, I mean, I, I just I think that is just such Bush League horse shit. Hold I mean, on real I, quick. I if you're San Francisco – if you're San Francisco, to even get to that spot, aren't you kind of looking at, like, what are these officials doing? It looked like they got the first down on that end around, and then all of a sudden they're like, we're going to review the spot on this. And, yeah, they, they went and they checked it and they got it back. But even 
the false start and Trent Williams was close. Like there were just a lot of things when I'm watching this game, just like, man, they're really trying to make this game suspenseful in the end when let's be honest, the Cowboys chance to win that game was just under three minutes to go. They get the ball back. I believe it was at their 16 and they had three timeouts. There were plenty of, that was their opportunity. That's when you go out there and that's when you win that game. Your franchise quarterback elevates the team, lifts them up. And that is when you make a name for yourself is on that. It should never even have come down to the ending right there. You had all the momentum up to that point. Everything was rolling in your favor. That that's when you have to win the game is right there. You're at home again, three timeouts and it comes down to, and even, even the way Dak talked at the game after the game about how that, that the ball, the Cedric Wilson, like, Oh man, it was like so close or whatever like that. That's a YOLO ball. Because yeah. you're about to get sacked. That's not like that was some design where it's like, man, that was the perfect play. That's what we wanted. Like that was like a 50-50. Let's let's throw it up because if we don't get this, we're probably losing this game. And it's like, yeah, Cedric could have probably have caught it. Like, I mean, obviously he was, you know, had to move back uh, against his body in the way he was going. But still, like that was your chance right there. And it's certainly not all on Dak. I mean, like I said, this sure. offensive line has been anybody that thinks that this is an elite offensive line just doesn't hasn't hasn't been paying attention because it's it's clearly not anymore and, and it needs a it needs a lot of work and 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 it and it probably needs some some coaching changes as well. I I, I just I don't I can't believe this offensive line played as bad as it did all year. And I'm and I'm kind of I don't know like I'm trying to think of the right word to use here, but I'm I'm kind of annoyed by the whole thing because I kind of kept thinking that you know what we saw this against Arizona. We saw this, you know, against the Raiders, obviously Denver, there were some times on the back end of the season, but stupidly I I had in the back of my mind. Yeah, but they'll they'll turn it on when they get in the playoffs. They'll turn it on when they get in the playoffs. Yeah, that didn't happen. This was exactly how those other games were. It did. It did not matter at all. The way that first, the first turned on the laterals was ridiculous. They turned on the laterals. Cool. That was it. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's all they that's brought out was the laterals play. It's it's the whole like you know playing that game in Philadelphia, which to me, okay, you approved a game in seating, but it's like when you we need to get momentum and confidence going week to week. No, it doesn't really work like that. And you know they fooled us by doing that against Washington and doing that against Philadelphia. That's what they did because yeah. the offense is no different than it was the back half of the season. That's and I. Yeah, yeah I mean, they they tricked us, and we're fools for falling for it. That's what happened. I mean, dude, it took yeah, punts. Yeah. It took punts to get the ball to Ceedee Lamb. It took kickoffs to get the ball to Tony Pollard. That's that's egregious. That's malpractice. Yeah, I, I mean, to your point, KT, a couple of things. First of all, at the end of the game, there, um, take this for whatever you want to take it. But I was, you know, watching Sunday Night Football um, and the Chiefs game. At halftime, Chris Sims, who, you know, former NFL quarterback, played for the Bucs, was a coaching assistant in New England. So he played under John Gruden, Bill Belichick, and he said the cutoff always when you were, whether he was a coaching assistant under Belichick or playing under Gruden, was always 18 seconds. 14 seconds is not where you go and try to get tackled inbounds and do something. It's just not enough time. He said that, and like 18 was cutting it close. So, I mean, that that, that was botched from the beginning. And then, yeah, to your point, I really thought Kellen would do a lot more to get the ball to his playmakers. I know CD had a couple of catches that were wiped out because of penalties, but still, how does CJ Goodwin and and Malik Turner get balls caught before CD Lamb did in this game? It make it makes absolutely no sense. Penalty. Whether you're talking about that play that ended the game, and why, whether you should run that or not with that time there, if we're talking about the penalties, um, if we're talking about the play right after uh, the fake punt, 
all of it can be put under the same umbrella of just a poorly coached team today. It just looked like a team. And, and, and you know what really made it stand out is that you didn't see that stuff from the 49ers. It looked like it was the yeah. exact opposite over there. It was a very well-coached team. And, and, and if you're going against another team that, you know, isn't is coached as well, it might not stand out as much. Like maybe the Raiders, highly penalized team. You're playing them. Game goes overtime. You can kind of complain back and forth about certain things. But that 49ers team just seems so buttoned up to me. And this Cowboys team just so, seems like so, I'll use Mike McCarthy's word, herky-jerky too many times. It just it, it just does not look like it was a well-coached team at all. And there's just been too much of that during this back half of the season that you're just kind of and, – and you know what? Real quick, Jerry Jones, if someone was like, hey, what was Jerry Jones like after the game? I don't even have to tell you the words he said. The man looked sick. He looked like he wanted to puke. Like – Jerry has been talking all season about how talented this roster was, rightfully so, and it is. But it's also one of those things where, like, they don't have – they're not going to be able to bring every single person back. They're probably going to lose Dan Quinn. Like, this was your chance. This isn't just going to be one of these, we'll roll it into next year and everything will be fine. No, this was, an, this was a grand opportunity, playing the 49ers in your building like this. It's one thing if they would have went to Tampa Bay and Tom would have got hot. It's like, man – well, that's what happens when you run into a buzzsaw like the greatest quarterback ever or they go to Green Bay. To lose this game and, and to be this unorganized and look this poorly coached, that's that's so disappointing. And, and that's exactly – I mean, that's that's exactly the way Jerry Jones came off after the game. Now, he was asked specifically about Mike McCarthy's job security, and he said he didn't want to address that today. Um, Mike McCarthy was asked about it. He said he has no concerns at all. So I just wanted to get that in there because obviously that's a big to- talking point here. And I'm not sitting here saying that they, 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 okay, tomorrow Mike McCarthy needs to be fired. I'm not saying that, but my, my, I don't know how you don't take a deep look at this whole thing and go, man, I don't know if we're going in the right direction here. Right. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Oh, go ahead, son. Go ahead. Well, just real quick, I, you know, just when you look at why the Cowboys lost, John outlined everything about how so much is put on the coaches. And when you look at if the 49ers had lost that game, the way that they were playing that game late, I mean, they, the, the coaching wise, it was fine. You can't control if Jimmy Garoppolo overthrows a guy by three yards on an out route. That That's bad execution. But the play was there. The coaching was fine. And, and that was just a blatantly, a glaringly obvious thing, difference between the 49ers and the Cowboys. Hey, real quick, I want to jump in on that. Jimmy Garoppolo, if he plays a good game, they blow the doors off the Cowboys. No, blow dude. the doors off. That pick to Anthony Brown totally switch momentum and then another play that that'll get lost in the shuffle because it doesn't matter anymore that deep ball i believe was the iuk they ended up having to settle for a Ooh. field goal if you could see in the stadium how wide open he was and how poorly underthrown that ball was like that should have been an easy seven there were yeah. so many plays that grapple left out there and i don't think that he played bad don't get me wrong i'm just saying if you had a an elite quarterback playing for sam's today they blow the doors off the cowboys well uh, there's a lot of things there john the first first of all the first 20 minutes of that game uh, the first quarter and a half, you weren't there. Like this team, mm-hmm. I don't talk about you specifically, the team, they didn't show up. Like yep. they didn't show up to play. They weren't ready to go. No excuses for that. That is BS. No excuses for that. But I want to go just a little bit further in what you're saying. The defense kept this game together because the offense was trash, except for the one drive. And on that one drive, they started the drive with two five-yard carries to Zeke. But then Tony Pollard was kind of the focal point of the drive. All right, for a little bit. And then uh, Dag made a couple of uh, completions. They ended up scoring. Great. Got, got the ball to Amari Cooper. The point is that game was 16-7 to because they'd kind of scrambled on defense uh, to hold them to some field goals and kind of get through it. 
right? They were just kind of working their way through it. The defense kept them in that game. And if Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't throw an interception to them, the game's not even close at the end there. We're not even we're not even talking about that. But they got a little aggressive and Jimmy Garoppolo throws a terrible interception. You know, another big play that 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 <laughs> kind of if you look at it, might have changed things. Jimmy Garoppolo is being totally inaccurate to throw that pass to George Kittle and it hitting the ground and George Kittle not fumbling. Uh, that kind of changed things a little bit too because they ended up, you know, punting. Um, and the, meanwhile, the Cowboys had the ball at the 50-yard line. And I want to mention this. One thing, so I don't, Dak wasn't good for a large part of the game. The offensive line has major problems that you mentioned. Tyron was not good today. I did not think Tyron was good today at all. Um We've got major problems on the interior offensive line, notably left guard and center. Those are problems. We'll see if you can fix it, right? I didn't think Dak was very good. One thing that I, that bothers me with Dak, and I wanted this to kind of be fixed by now, is I want him having more control in those end-of-game situations, right? I don't have any clue why it's 23-17, you have the ball, you've got three timeouts, and you're rushing to get a playoff, with two minutes and four seconds left with the clock running as the two-minute warning is approaching. Like, what are we... Yeah. Stop and breathe. It's a one-score game. You have the ball at midfield and three timeouts. And a free timeout. Why are we rushing? Yeah. Why are we rushing yep. to run a play? So dumb. Just get... I mean, and and you, if your coach isn't going to help you out there and do that for you, then you've got to do that. And quite frankly... Mm-hmm. He's paid like an upper echelon guy. He's got to do that. I need him to be like an Aaron Rodgers and a Tom Brady in that regard, right? In that area of the game, I need you to be able to command everything. And it never really fully looks like he's got that. And You know, what happened at the end, whatever, you put yourselves in a dumbass situation. I, I don't understand why they were even thinking that would work. To talk about well, what Sob's on. And, and to be honest with you, that, that particular s- sequence right there, if you really truly believe in your heart of hearts that the refs are out to get you, why do you even put yourself in that situation? You know it's going to be bang, bang at the very best. If everything goes completely smooth, uh, you know, uh, Biotis sets the ball down. It's, it's a, it, you know, the ref comes up, touches it. Everything goes smoothly. You're getting it in maybe two seconds tops. And, and it's probably going to be one you're spiking it at with one second left. Like the, the margin for error is just so small. Why would you even put it in the ref's hands? Now, obviously they like that opportunity more than the, you know, throwing the Hail Mary type thing. But my God, like if you really think the refs are out to get you, why are you even putting yourself in a position with a play like that? That it's just, it just, just throw the Hail Mary. Just, just yeah, you get might get three shots to the end zone at the end. What right. the hell are they doing? Trying yeah, to kick yeah. a field goal? What? And, and now you're looking. It's, it's ridiculous, you know, and, and he had a chance to redeem himself because when it was 23-7 and they kicked that field goal, I was kind of in the boat of, man, I think you just kind of got to go. I mean, yep. at that point, your offense hadn't done enough to where it really felt like, you know, that would happen. I was like, Ugh. but man, I, I, I feel like he ended up almost redeeming himself by, okay, here's your right call there, 23-10. You might end up winning this thing 24-23. to um, So, I don't know. I don't know. One, one thing... I, I don't I don't like the stuff at the, at the end of the game like what they said after the game. Some of the players talking about that. I hate that. That makes it sting a little bit more for me because at least you need to have a little bit of character and integrity when you go out the door here. I, I, we knew it was a bad matchup. We did warn about that. They didn't get turnovers until the end, and that kept them in the game. Otherwise, as you said, it's not close. The clear better team was San Francisco. The team that matched up better clearly was San Francisco. 
I don't know. Oh, hold on, what Casey. This is. Hold on. Hold yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, going yeah, through yeah. the game book. I'm going through the game hold book. On. I have to throw in. I have to throw in one thing here that uh-huh. is is something that's not going to be mentioned on TV, and it's not going to be something that people are going to like really remember. But you also had two whatever it was with three timeouts, and they didn't have Nick Bosa and Fred Warner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. It, it's. And, and you were you were pretty much full power, you know. Outside of Michael Gallup, you were pretty much full power. That's where I kind of I, I just got I got big problems with all that, and and you lost, and and here we go. So we're not going to talk about roster stuff until later on down the line. There's plenty of time to talk about that. Um, God, where was I going? I, I oh oh okay. Uh, so we got to talk about the coordinators though, because Dan Quinn's probably going to go be a head coach somewhere. Who knows what's going to happen with Kellen? Good lord, though. I mean, has the stock dropped for Kellen? Throughout all of this, because I I just don't see how I mean Saad put it best. If Malik Turner and and CJ Goodwin are getting the ball more than CD Lamb, what are we doing? We're Wait, not game planning. Like what? You, what's how's that happening? You didn't like Cedric Wilson chucking that ball over to uh, Tony Pollard right at the beginning of the game. You didn't think that was a good tone setter. <laughs> I thought that was pretty wild. Actually, that was uh, that, I like to I like the bit. Um, <laughs> like what do you? Zeke, 12 carries, 31 yards. He averaged 2.6 yards a carry. After the game, he admits that he's been playing with a torn PCL ligament in his knee. Tony Pollard, four Good carries, 14 yards. Good thing you got him 18 carries yards. in Philly, baby. Good thing you got him those 18 carries in Philly. So are we trying to win or not? I mean, what's, are we, I mean what, what, what's the what, – are we just dumb? I mean, what is what is the – I don't – I just don't get how you can ha- be this loaded and that happen. Like Here, the, 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 the offensive the distribution like, is 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 quite frankly it's sick it starts at the top. KT starts at the top. It's a trickle down. It's lack of preparation, lack of discipline, lack of uh, you know respect for the refs, all kinds of stuff. Whatever you want to say, it, it starts at the top. Go ahead, John. No, I was just going to add in there too that it's funny how much we spent time talking about in multiple episodes about the different matchups that it could be like. Oh, this is about San Francisco, and this is about Arizona, and this is about the Rams. <laughs> every one of them were winning this game today. Yeah. I don't care. You play yeah. like this, every yeah. one of those teams is winning. They're all those are playoff teams. You can sit there and talk about Stafford turning the ball over, or Kyler Murray, you know, whatever. He doesn't have DeAndre Hopkins, or whatever. Oh, Cowboys play like this. I mean, come on, McCarthy. They were losing have, any of those teams. McCarthy should have been fired at the point where they ran the fake punt. And then went and ran the offense on the field, and then Dude. immediately got a penalty. That's like what, a what that's like doing? high school yeah. level stuff that you like run out when you're playing a team that you know the homecoming game or something. <laughs> you, and you're they're just so clock. flustered under pressure at the end. They just didn't know what the hell to do. And you're eating up clock in a situation in a game where the clock is what you need. So it's like, <laughs> what are you getting out of like? possibly snapping it and they have, you know, an extra guy on the field or they have to call a timeout. Clearly they're not calling the timeout. And you got Brian anger running around in the back backfield, like, in, like he's in motion, like he's Zebo Samuel. And everyone's just looking around like anybody in this stadium, the 94,000 that were here that knows football is just looking at that sideline. Like this stuff shouldn't happen week one of like a good solid Texas high school football game, much less in a playoff game in front of 94,000 on national television. Yeah. And, and on that, on that play specifically, you know, I, I saw what Mike McCarthy said after the game about how a player got on the field for celebration and it kind of threw everything off. 
those little things, if that makes you flinch so hard that you have to take a delay of game, you're not prepared enough in that situation where, okay, now the defense can substitute, so now it throws off your entire operation and you, and you can't even get a snap off. I mean, I, I, I don't understand how that happens. Um, but, but one situation I do want to bring up, I, I don't know if you guys found this necessarily as egregious as I did. I think the Cowboys got bailed out because of Jimmy Garoppolo's inaccurate pass. But fourth and two on your own 33, I, I know it's on your own 33, but I really thought the Cowboys had to go for it on that point. They were down 23-7. to it, it was late third quarter with like less than five minutes left. And they punt the ball. And then Jimmy Garoppolo just botches that throw. But I think if he makes that pass, that fourth and two is talked about for a long time. Did, they sh- did you see McCarthy on that when they showed him on TV too? They were showing him and Fossil discussing whether to go for it. And and <clears throat> and McCarthy was like, like very blatantly saying, yeah, go, go. And I thought he was like, obviously we're going for it. But he was saying, was no, saying, obviously we're punting. I was like, are you freaking yeah. kidding me? <laughs> and if you like, had those two guys mic'd up sometimes in the sideline, particularly today, I bet you it is just wild audio. That yes. I bet it fans is. Fans would be blown yes. away like, oh, my God, what is going on over there? Because it is just from seeing it on the sidelines, like it is sometimes chaos. Yeah, no, it's like Bones. I need you to go over there. I've got this. But McCarthy won't do that because he doesn't have it. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's, that's frustrating. It's very frustrating. But you know what? Let's Credit be honest here, KT. For the fake punt working, though. Let's also uh, be honest t- about this, KT. The way you were texting me, and, and we were texting back and forth around halftime a little bit after it, we thought that game was going to be even worse than it was. Like, I don't yeah. think we thought it was even going to have a chance. And so when they had it with, like, three minutes to go, there was a part of me that was like, this is McCarthy Green Bay, where Aaron Rodgers comes out here right now on this on this last three minutes leads them to a touchdown, they win and move on, and you're sitting there scratching your head like, how did this get done? Like, I don't know how they got here, but here we go. Backers are going on to the second round. Well, And that's where I want Dak. I was thinking about that. I was like, to do this, it's got to be Dak managing all that because McCarthy's not doing it. And you know what? Rodgers did it for him in Green Bay. So, I mean, these are the things we talked about when he was hired. Earlier in the year, Dak was doing that. There's just something about the way he played these last two months of the season. You know, he didn't say it's the calf. He would, he, you know, he downgraded when he'd be asked about that. You know, when he was asked about how, if he was having, like, he wasn't seeing the field as well as he was earlier in the season, he would, he would, you know, kind of deviate from that and saying he's seeing the field fine. But it just, he just did not pass the eye test during the back half yeah. of the season. He didn't look like the same guy. I don't know if it was, he just wasn't as sure of himself or what, what happened, but it just like, there just was something was off there. They've got to get that offensive line fixed. And one thing that that I keep going back to teams that were able to, to make him uncomfortable by only rushing four. you talked about him not seeing the the field. Well, well, you're not seeing the field well too. When there's seven guys just kind of, you know, they're able to hold back six and seven guys all the time. KT, what about all that free? What about all that laughter? What about all the laughter about Vic Fangio's comments? Like, oh, oh, yeah. of course they didn't. That's not true. Oh. Yeah, I, it's clear. Well, when but here's the thing. Dak, Dak kind of admitted that those comments were kind of true. I mean, he, he said that he, he has, yeah. like, they do disguise defenses, and he has trouble with that. And and so, I mean, you know, we could laugh at, like, anybody could laugh it off, but Dak kind of validated Vic Fangio's comments, and so there's probably some truth to that. Yeah, and I encourage everyone to avoid, you know, a lot of Dak hot takes. I mean, I still think Dak is your uh, uh, very capable of, of being a, 
a winning quarterback. But, you know, those are things that have to get fixed. But I think the number one thing that fixes that before anything else is shoring up your offensive line. Because having him have time to throw constantly, I mean, consistently, is is something that will make a big difference. So that's that's got to be one of the top priorities going into the offseason. Um, I, 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 I do think Kellen's got a lot of self-scouting and, and looking in the mirror to do too, though, man. The Kellen doesn't go without fault here. Dak doesn't go without fault here. At some point, though, when, to me, your more explosive weapons aren't getting the touches needed. Like, like for instance, Debo Samuel, by the way he's been playing, kind of had a mild day through the air. You know, three catches, 38 yards. But they were like, you know what, we'll hand it to you nine times for 63 yards. I'm not asking you to give CeeDee Lamb nine carries. I'm asking you to find a way to get him the ball. I need to find a, find a way to get Tony Pollard the ball. Uh, and, you know, the 49ers did everything they could to win. They did everything they could to blow it, too. Um, Kyle Shanahan with two cowardly fourth-and-one decisions. Cowardly yeah. fourth-and-one decisions. My God, dude. Like, that was very, yeah. like, what? Uh, but I thought on third and ten when they ran the reverse – which ended up nearly being a first down. I thought that the smart play to do there, it was what there's one minute on the clock, was to take a knee to avoid a holding penalty. And then you, you know, you're down to 20 seconds and then you punt. Like I kind of thought that was the play right there. But they ran the reverse, they went for it, end up having the the measurement. And before all that chaos that happens at the end, we have to have a big review and a big, you know, a miracle of an inch you know, to kind of even get you the ball back. But it gave you the ball back with quite a bit of time. So uh, the, the penalties, God, the penalties are, 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 are insane. And I saw, you know, McCarthy's barking at the ref all the, all the way. Man, as Saad mentioned earlier, every penalty that was shown is clear. Your offensive lineman or the defensive holding that was called a lot, just guys wrapping their arms around players and tackling them. Like, what are we doing? That's not – that's all basic. That like, one, with it, know the rule stuff, you know? The, that one penalty on Alex Mack was just like, I mean, it, I, I think it was Odigi Zua who just like absolutely turned him around and, and slammed him. But, you know, one one other thing, and, and again, this is the Cowboys getting bailed out by a 49ers miscue. I think it was the first possession of the second half. You have third and four, and that turns into fourth and 20 because you go from third and four to third and nine to third and 14 to a sack. How do you do that coming right out of the half? And then, of course, they had the roughing the kicker, so the Cowboys maintain possession. But you absolutely can't do that if you're the Cowboys in that situation. John, I know you got to run uh, as you're at AT&T Stadium uh, covering the game. Final thoughts from you, John, and we'll obviously talk later in the week on the next episode. Yeah, it's really, I mean, even to just tie in what, what Saad was saying there, it just, it really, I wish I could say that I saw stuff today that we hadn't seen all season slow starts first half slow starts second half like a lot of that stuff to me goes back to coaching and I understand these are professional players and and, and they're very well paid and so everybody deserves some blame certainly but today just seemed like a very poorly coached game from the Cowboys standpoint and the only other thing I want to add is that um, you know I, 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 I think that this is possible this was a wasted opportunity and when I say that I mean how many more seasons do you think you're gonna have Trayvon Diggs playing at this level there could be a lot. It might be another six or seven. How many more seasons are you going to have Micah Parsons playing at this elite level? Could be a lot. Might be five, ten more years, something like that. But what if this was their best seasons? And what if you what if you wasted those opportunities? Let's. And the reason why I, I point to those two guys is because this defense has lacked playmakers like this for a long time here. And 
I just, and that, that's not just the way I feel. I felt like that's the way Jerry Jones felt after the game as well. Like where it's like, you know, you can't just sit there and assume that everybody's going to be back and, and, and not only everybody be back, this team was healthy right now. The odds are that yeah. you're going to be as healthy as this is going into this. It just, and I hate to be this negative because you want to have some hope about, you know, you know, the drafts coming up and it just, it's, it's a tough pill to swallow right now for anybody that wants to try find positives off of this. Cause there's just a lot of stuff about this that you just see as a, a wasted opportunity in a league where you just don't get that many opportunities. Uh, all right, Jack and Zeke said it too. I mean, it was they were very they were very direct about this being two of the best teams they've ever played on, and you know, unfortunately, it went to nothing. Uh, no, no doubt about all that stuff, and and there's a long list of free agents and all that stuff, and we'll we'll discuss all that down the road. Uh, John, uh, thank you so much. Uh, we'll talk to you a little later in the week on the next episode when we kind of uh, get a little uh, deeper into this. Absolutely, boys. We're going to fix this thing. We're going to figure it out. We're going to come together with a 10-point uh, a plan. No, wait. What does he say, Sad? He says a seven-point plan. What does Michael Scott say when he's like, we're going to be back. We're going to come back. Seven-point plan, seven, yeah. seven phase. We're going to fix this thing, okay? So so it's like tuning in. Yeah, it's like 30, yeah, 40 40 points, 30 days. Yeah, yeah. We're going to fix this. We'll get back. Um, but yeah, boys, I'll talk to you later. See you, John. All right. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based, live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Uh, we'll keep it going a little bit uh, here. Obviously, um, a little later in the week, we'll have a more like right, let's get a couple, a couple, uh, a day or two. Like let's get some sleep. Let's really collect our thoughts and be a little more rational. I do think it's interesting that Dan Quinn and John was saying about those you know defensive players, but Dan Quinn is most likely going to get a head coaching job. Uh, I would put my Vegas money on it. Uh, clearly. Um, and he kind of felt like that was kind of the perfect mix. Now, we could have this kind of outlier of, well, what if you bring Mike Zimmer in or whatever? But it felt like this was great. Micah Parsons fell in love with Dan Quinn, all those things. And you have these frustrations that I think we kind of have with Mike McCarthy right now. I, I, I'm only – I will admit that this is – does uh, what I'm saying is it feel a little bit gossipy, but it was thrown out there by a, a, an NFL reporter today 
about the idea that Jerry would be contemplating the future of the team and the and the coach if uh, things didn't go well. And I guess my question for for you guys is like, it's not realistic when you send McCarthy to a five year deal, you know, that you're going to make some change. But who would you rather have head coaching this team, Dan Quinn or Mike McCarthy? I think probably Dan Dan Quinn. I'd rather the uh, the identity of the team, you know, take a little bit more of the defensive side of things because I think the offense will speak for itself as long as you have Dak and and CD and those guys. Um, maybe you, you need some help in the offensive line, but I think as a mentality as a head coach, uh, I would want Dan Quinn. And, and it's really encouraging the way they played under him when when McCarthy was out, the way they rallied around him and the players loved him. And um, I think that probably was pretty uh, encouraging to Jerry too to see that. Yeah, well, let me ask you this, KT. In this scenario, does Kellen Moore stay? Is he staying as OC? Yeah, I mean, I think we assume that Kellen stays, and I'm assuming that based on Kellen. I just don't think Kellen, you know, maybe in October I thought he would get a head coaching job. I'm not sure that he gets a head coaching job, but he he very well could. But in this scenario, let's say that he doesn't. Let's say that he's here. Okay, that he's here. Then, yeah, I would rather have Dan Quinn. And the reason why is I know that we all try to – Try to pattern. We look at okay, the next, the young, the Sean McVay effect, right? Of like the young offensive mind. But how many of those have really worked out to to glowing numbers? I don't think too many have. And when you look at it, I like you look at the model franchise in New England, and you have a defensive head coach. Now, obviously, Bill Belichick is an anomaly. I'm not saying anybody would come close to really that, but you have a defensive coach. And then for years, you had an offensive coordinator in Josh McDaniels and even go back to Bill O'Brien or Charlie Weiss in New England who had a great rapport with the franchise quarterback. And I think if you have that in Kellen Moore and Dak, obviously them two like each other, them two have something where they could develop. I think you have to have a head coach who does something, right? Like The thing is, Mike McCarthy right now, like as much as we were giving him credit earlier in the season for delegating his responsibilities on offense and defense, and special teams to Fossil Quinn and more. Mike McCarthy doesn't do anything. He doesn't give you a, a, an advantage on game day. And if you don't have your head coach doing that, then I don't really know what the purpose is for him to be there. If you're going to look, when you talk about the 49ers, how often do you hear about Mike McDaniel, their offense coordinator? You don't. You hear more about Kyle Shanahan because he has such a large footprint on that offense. And in Dallas, it's Kellen Moore and Dan Quinn and Jim Fossil. Well, then what's Mike McCarthy doing? Why is he here? He's he can't even make the game uh, game management decisions. I don't really understand the purpose. Yeah, no, I think, and I'll admit that like it's a little bit too. It's a little ridiculous to think that you would fire a guy after two years on a five year contract, especially when you lost your quarterback on year one. Like we all kind of agree that last year almost doesn't count when you lose that. But it's just a little bit of um, a unique set of circumstances when we're talking about losing Dan Quinn, um, which will happen. I, I mean, unless Jerry said, okay, let's just say, let's just throw it out there. Let's say one of the head coaching jobs, let's say uh, Denver uh, or Jacksonville, and they offer Dan Quinn uh, $5 million a year to come be the head coach. You know, does Jerry have a meeting with him and say, hey, I'll give you $7 million to stay as defensive coordinator? Is that a realistic thing? That's what I saw flown out there, that Jerry – this past week, I don't know who who floated it out there, how accurate it was, but that Jerry would be doing quote whatever it takes to keep him here, you know, whether that's pay him as much as 
somebody else would to, to keep him here, promote him. I don't know if it meant promote him, but I think Jerry's in love with the fact of keeping Dan Quinn on the coaching staff. And there's an incredible amount of opportunities. There might be more opportunities that open up as the playoffs, you know, in this weekend, maybe some wildcard teams move on and man, it's going to be, it's going to be crazy. I, I would say the odds of him staying or not getting a full-time job offer is is probably zero percent. I would say he's one of these teams is going to go after or offer Dan Quinn a job. So will Jerry respond? Yeah. Who knows? No, I think I think you make a good point too. Like there's a lot of teams, right? We're talking, You're about, talking about the Bears, the Broncos, Minnesota, I mean, you know? Minnesota, right, Jacksonville. Jacksonville. Like it's it, it's all out there and it just I, I mean, I don't think it's realistic at all that they're moving on from McCarthy. I don't think there's any I don't think that's in the mix, but I mean, I, I would if I'm if I'm the Jones family, I'm putting my head on the pillow tonight and uh, probably going, "Damn, is that really?" Well, here's are we the thing: what we paid for here? Are we getting what we paid for here? You know, I don't know. We've got a lot to talk about this week. We'll get to the airing of grievances, but I think at the end of the day, the, you know, the Jones family and Jerry, and I'm glad that they don't feel great about this because uh, you know, oftentimes the season will end and they'll look for silver linings and look at the big picture, but. It looks like the big picture is pretty bad right now, and they have to look at themselves and think, you know, the reason they hired Mike McCarthy was to take this team to the next level, and they're not at the next level from where they were. They are behind where they were when Garrett left, and so in terms of, like, the organizational structure of this uh, locker room and all that, I I know guys aren't fighting or anything like that, but I would say what you saw today – we never saw it from a Garrett team in terms of preparation, in terms of execution. Yeah, there were some bad penalties every now and then, but it wasn't a complete disaster in the playoffs. And I think that's probably the most concerning thing if you're Jerry Jones is that if you look where we were two years ago, we're we're worse off now. And that's probably why you need to make yeah. a move. Well, the only thing I would add to that is just that, you know, the, when you look at the new hiring of coaches and, and how, when they've come in the last few in the last few 10 years, none of them came with the urgency McCarthy. The reason you chose McCarthy over a younger guy when Lincoln Riley was being floated out there, anything like that, was because you wanted to win now, and you felt your window was now. There was not supposed to be a two, three-year ramp up, and it looks like that's what the Cowboys are headed towards. That's what Romo was saying on the broadcast, yeah. He's like, how often do you have a top five defense? Ever? This is They've never had that, maybe, <laughs> you know, as long as he could remember. Yeah. And so the odds of having that again next year, very low. So this was the year, maybe, that they had the best chance. And if next year's not the year with Mike McCarthy, then they're, ooh. And I don't think they exhausted everything they could have exhausted to do everything they could have done to go win the game. It's bold. Uh, to, to, to go, not win today's game, but like to advance and go win a title and things like that. And, and, and it's, it's little things, dude. It's all across the board. I'm not going to be one of those guys who's like, you can't go to a Mavs game. But, dude, Michael, Parson get, Michael Parsons got COVID at the Mavs game, right? Um, you know, we saw the whole CD and Amari Cooper going to – I'm not doing that the whole thing. You guys can go out to a Mavs game, Omicron. A lot of people are going to get it, that type of thing. But Michael Parsons is over there sucking air and admittedly said, you know, COVID got him pretty good there. Um, Michael Parsons is the last guy I would be uh, angry at for anything on this team. Michael Parsons was great today. Again, I thought. I thought he was great. I thought he made some plays that saved some bigger runs from Elijah Mitchell and Debo. But it, all that stuff is, is right, though. It's like 
what could we have done more? Well, we could have tried to get the ball to Tony Pollard a little more this year. I, I don't really understand Zeke trying to go get a thousand yards last week on a torn PCL in Philadelphia. I don't understand why all year long we didn't have any games where Tony got um, a lot more carries than Zeke. Uh, that yeah. pisses that pisses some people off. I'm sorry. They're not watching the game closely. They're looking at this through rose-colored glasses uh, because, quite frankly. Tony Pollard was the much quicker, more explosive back who was also uh, averaging more yards per carry after contact, okay, than Zeke. Yes, Zeke is a great pass protector. Yes, Zeke's great out of the backfield. All those things we can acknowledge. But they could have done more to make Tony and Zeke work well together into the playoffs. And we didn't see that. And we saw it again today when you go look at the bottom line of it. What they do? They gave Zeke 12 carries. They gave Tony Pollard four. Okay, and I just yeah. I, I just don't understand how that happens, and I don't know if that's on Dak. I no, it's not on Dak. I don't know if that's on Kellen. I don't know if that's on Mike McCarthy. I don't know if that's on the Jones family. I don't know how in the world you get to that conclusion, but your offense is just way worse when that's happening. But Dak needs to be better. The offensive line's got to be, be better. We got a big problem at left guard. We have a problem at center. They miss Tra- Kent. I think you brought this up the other day. They miss Travis Frederick. Agreed. <laughs> I mean. They need they they need a really good center um, who can help call out protections and coverage. They thought they uh, were like, like, oh, that. let's just get the next Wisconsin center. Yeah. <laughs> that was their exact what their thought process. Who's the next center at Wisconsin? How many years did he play for? Okay, get him. Yeah, well, Tra- Travis Travis was so unique in that. Like, yes, I, that, that doesn't get enough credit. I think. Yeah, and and it may be hard to find that again, right? So I mean, I mean, the guy uh, was. You know, on a on the fast track to a gold jacket, so yeah, it's going to be hard to find that. But I mean, it's it's an area of need. I'd spend a first round pick on a center this year if you knew if you knew it was going to be Jason Kelsey or, or one of those guys. Yeah, you know. So, but I have no regrets on yeah. you know on uh, the whole Micah Parsons, Rashawn Slater. I mean, I openly wanted Rashawn Slater at that. What pick. about Connor McGovern? Um, I mean, I just remember I mean, that pick being like guy, it's so man. it's so obvious. That that we're we're spinning this because he's so good that it's just we have to spin this pick. I mean, just things like that. I just go back and look at him like they they were exposed on a couple levels. The offensive line over time got exposed as the season went on, and whether Tyron was fully healthy is a question I'm not really sure of. They made a bunch of weird adjustments to try to fix it at left guard, and I thought that was kind of strange. Um, but this is a problem that went back to training camp when they were trying to. See if Connor Williams could play center or Connor McGovern could maybe play some center and things like that. And then, you know, whatever happened, you know, the Denver game and all that stuff, it, it was very clear Dak was having trouble being comfortable in the pocket after he got hurt and seeing the field. And they never got enough, you know, uh, coverage busters or, or whatever you want to call it, you know, of like here's a, a, a big n- number of plays that we have that are going to beat what we're doing because they knew the, the template to beating the Cowboys is exactly what Vic Fangio said it was. The 49ers proved it again today. Yeah. Okay, T, I got one one more thing that I wanted to just throw at you, at both of you guys, and see what your reaction is. It's a really interesting quote, I think, from uh, Jimmy Ward, defensive back from, for the 49ers. He said, we went in there and did what we needed to do, stop the run and force them to be one-dimensional, dimensional, see if Dak Prescott could win the game for them. I, you know, I think that there's a couple of things there. One, there is some, there is definitely some blame that goes to Dak Prescott for that. But also, as an offense coordinator, if we, if you're talking about one dimensional offense, we talked all week about how the San Francisco 49ers are one dimensional with their running game and everything. 
and they yeah. managed to game plan out of that. And even if they were running the ball, jet sweeps down the middle, getting Jimmy G a little bit into the bootlegs, into favorable positions, like you said, KT, I think this the blame goes all around. But that's a damning quote for a, for a team that's built on an offensive identity, a quarterback making $40 million, the offense, the head coach is offensive-minded, and the offensive coordinator is being looked at for uh, for head coaching jobs, and that's the quote from the defensive back that just beat you. That's that's a red flag, man. Nah, it absolutely is, and there is not just one answer to any of this. You know, that's the that's the thing for a lot of things in life. We like to go, well, here's the way you do this. You do uh, A, B, and C. Man, it's A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Um, we're going to be back later in the week. Um, we'll um, discuss a lot of things um, uh, and try to try to kind of get the ball rolling on some off-season decisions and, and things like that. I mean, hell, we may have, you know, uh, coaching news by then because you know, I would I would imagine Dan Quinn gets snagged, uh, uh, snagged up uh, sometime relatively soon, and, and he'll be uh, moving on to be a new head coach in the NFL, I would imagine, although he could sit in a room with Jerry. And uh, Jerry could uh, money whip him, but that's that's down the road. Jerry, honestly, Jerry, if if Jerry's going to make a move, how easy of a move would this be? He doesn't have to go out interview coaches. It's just a lateral move. Just promote a guy from within, a guy who's been a head coach that's gone to the Super Bowl before. Essentially, the qualifications you were looking for in Mike McCarthy. Like this is not an, a hard move for him to make if if he were to have to make it. This is not like you got to fire and you got to go out and audit a search committee and all this. And maybe they got to do some Rooney Rule stuff. But like this could be a, a very simple solution for him if he's just wants to do that. Wants to send an internal memo, you know. But you got to fire McCarthy, right. right? Yeah. I don't see. I just don't think Jerry will do that. Um. But hey, a loss like this might make you. Dude, you know what? You know what, KT. I, I'm 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 kind of disgusted. John mentioned mentioned it. You know, Dak's comments about the fans and stuff and supporting the yeah, trash dude. throwing. Yeah. That to me, that just that comes from within, and I'm willing to bet that they went to that locker room and maybe there were some words exchanged about the refs, and that's the last thing they kind of all were talking about was. God, we got effed by the refs tonight, and then yeah. here comes the media, and that's what everyone's talking about, and it's the last taste in everyone's mouth. That's bullshit, honestly. It needs to be yeah. – the co- head coach needs to go in there and say, I don't want anyone blaming the refs on this. This is on me. Blame me, if anybody. You know, He won't. It's bullshit. He, he, I, I can't he, stand that that the organizational like stance on that is what it is at this point and it should make the Jones family sick too honestly McCarthy's post-game press conference was pretty sickening Ugh. and I know what Dak said and I I don't think that's that's really not the real Dak that is frustrated pissed off Dak um, Dak didn't mean uh, what he said I don't think at least and I'm sure you'll see right because you can't cool Dak. your guys down after a game after a loss yeah. put it in perspective it's fr- you know I I would imagine Dak apologizes for that. You know, McCarthy talking about the, the quarterback run at the middle with 14 seconds though, which we all acknowledge is putting your hand on a hot stove. 
you know, but he goes, it's the right call. That's what it is. And that's just, it's the same thing. Just like mm-hmm. be, being asked, uh, I referenced this before, but in Green Bay, when, you know, every team, every team was getting asked, would you bring in Kaepernick? And he just got real defensive out of nowhere and bowed up like, I've got a pretty good quarterback room and I've got a lot of wins in my career. And I'm like, dude, why are you bowing up? Like no one's, it was just a simple question. But look, everyone's frustrated and I understand that too after a win. I, I get all that stuff, but that is something that I do not like. And I don't think anyone does, but like that, that's something that's going to stick with us a long time. I think is like, wait, wait, their play was like to blame the refs a lot. Dude, you don't, so the refs every week made you the most penalized team in the league? Oh, the NFL didn't want the Dallas Cowboys to advance? Like, they get you the best ratings. Like, what? A, there's a lot of, that's a lot of BS going around. And I think McCarthy kind of created some of that in a way. Um, you know, I don't know. I mean, there's the thing is, is will Jerry change his way? Jerry firing a guy in year three heading into year three of a five-year contract seems very unlikely to me. In the words of Jerry Jones, KT, he doesn't have a lot of these years. He doesn't have a lot of these left. He's going to be the first to yeah, say that. You would think, though, after years of the uh, of the sun uh, preventing you from getting points that you'd put curtains up or something. I'm tired of that. it. I'm, tired of, either, I'm tired of the you know? same every year. I mean, this could be a podcast from 2014 postseason. Every year it's the same – Freaking talking points, man. I'm tired of it. At some point, hopefully they're tired of it enough to make a change that works. When's the last time we had a coach that that you're like, God, Cowboys really got someone? Parcells? Yeah. Well, it's it's not our... 2005? 20, it's not our Seriously. $21 million, though, you know, that'll, that'll be dead money going to McCarthy, you know? <sighs> like, he's fired, McCarthy still gets his 7 or $8 million a year, and that's coming out of Jerry's pocket. It's very. It's real easy for us to talk about that, you know. But like, I, I just don't see twenty one or twenty four million dollars, whatever McCarthy makes, just being thrown away because of not advancing. But the season's a shipwreck, man. There, there's no. I don't want to hear. Oh, it was a fun year uh, and all that stuff. Now, Forty Niners aren't going anywhere. This is not. Forty Niners aren't going. Not Packers aren't going anywhere. Rogers should probably stay. Rams aren't going anywhere. Bucks aren't going anywhere. You know, like this is not going to get. Any easier for you, cowboy uh, nation? You know, I, I it's it's sad to say it, but like some changes better happen. That's all we got to say. Like, Dude, like some people either need to like be fired, hired, free agent signings. Changes need to happen because we're gonna be in here again next year talking about this same crap. And it really stings that the Bucks look kind of beatable now. You know, with some of their, you know, injuries on offense, they looked a little more beatable than possible. The Rams and Cardinals obviously looked a little bit beatable. Uh, I know for one, Green Bay doesn't want anything to do with San Francisco. I mean, San Francisco's got a really good chance to go into Lambeau and get a win in the cold, just running Debo at you. No one wants to tackle that guy. So that's real frustrating. It's real frustrating to head in like this. We'll be back in a couple of days. We will um, have another podcast that'll – um, kind of collect our thoughts. We'll look forward a little bit and we'll just kind of, uh, you know, keep going. But yeah, Cowboys lose 23-17. Uh, thank you to Father John Bichotta for uh, covering every game as he does. Uh, he's at was at AT&T Stadium live tonight. Um, thank you to Saad Youssef for joining us all season long. And thank you, uh, Kent, for producing these things. 
as you always do all season long. Look, we're not going anywhere. We'll be back in a few days, uh, middle of the week, and, and have a little more Cowboys content for you. And maybe we'll be a little more clear-headed as we're just kind of pissed right now. Uh, so, Cowboys lose 23-17. Another season spoiled. We'll see you next time on About Them Cowboys. I fucked it up.